Welcome to the Stock Music Licensing Podcast, the number one resource for creating passive income selling stock music online. I'm your host, Daniel Carrizales, and I'm here to help you monetize your compositions. All right, welcome to episode 65 of the Stock Music Licensing Podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for hanging out today here in this beautiful place where I'm at right now. If you can hear in the background, I'm outside. I am by the beach. Beautiful day today. I've done a few episodes in this beach. We just came out of a few days of a really hardcore uh, winter <laughs> weather situation going on here in Greece. A lot of snow. It didn't uh, really snow here where I'm at. And if you don't know where I'm at or where I live, I live in Nafplio, Greece. You can Google that. I've done a few podcast episodes actually here by this beach. Beautiful beach. It's called Carathona Beach. And I like to come here from time to time and do uh, a few video vlogs and a few episodes for my podcast when I feel a little bit claustrophobic. I spend a lot of time in front of the computer, in front of the, you know, in my studio, doing my work, my music, my YouTube videos, my podcast. And, and from time to time, I feel like I need a little bit of uh, the outdoors. And where I live is there's plenty of space. Even though we're still on lockdown or some type of lockdown, schools are still uh, closed and you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, if you're listening to this in the future, we're in 2021, still uh, living uh, craziness. I don't know if things will ever go back to normal. But nevertheless, I try to make my life, uh, if not normal, as normal as possible. And for my family, at least more epic than it was before. But before we get into the content of this episode, as always, this episode is brought to you by Stock Music Licensing Academy. If you would like to learn more about how to earn money selling stock music online go to stockmusiclicensing.com click academy and go and check out the ultimate stock music masterclass go and read all the testimonials of all the hundreds of students who have already gone through the course and seen success again if you would like to learn how to monetize your compositions go to stockmusiclicensing.com and click academy now let's dive right into the content of this episode Now today I want to talk to you about mastering your own music. How to master your own music without being a mastering engineer. And three tools that you can use to, to master your own uh, music, aiming for music licensing, specifically for stock libraries, okay? So I get a lot of requests of, hey, listen to my music. I got lots of students where I really review their music and they're usually uh, mentioning in their comments or emails that they, the mastering is not correct. Or the mastering, it, they're still, there's almost like excusing themselves because of the mastering, which is the last, um, it's the last thing you do in the process of recording and mixing. So when I hear the compositions, I see, I hear everything from the composition, the arrangement, the mixing process, and obviously the mastering. But I usually, um, more often than not, I say, well, there's nothing wrong with the mastering. You just need to, to rearrange the track again, 
or the instrumentation is just not right. There's something that could be uh, played by a different instrument. The mastering process is the final process. You can't fix anything. Uh, well, I didn't say that right. There's only so much you can fix at the mastering process. All right? But the mastering process, a lot of composers and producers and, and musicians see this process as something that is going to be the determining factor for the track to, to really shine. And that could be true. But at the same time, uh, if you don't have everything else in place, like a good composition, a good arrangement, the right instrumentation, which is crucial for your track to really shine and to really enhance the sound quality, then the mastering is not going to do anything. So mastering seems like a, like a black art. It seems like it's this thing that only a few people know about. And if you're not a mastering engineer, then you don't know how to master your track. Now, there are many plugins out there that can help you master your track, all right? There's many. But in this episode, I want to talk to you about three simple uh, tools that you can use, three simple plugins that you can use to master your track. And before you use these three plugins, okay, because I want to make it simple for you and really master the art of mastering. So what I want you to do is that next time you're composing a track, while you're composing that track and you have mixed it and everything, all you need to do is bounce that idea into a stereo file, okay? Once you have that stereo file, which is your mix, pretty much, and it's not been mastered, you're gonna grab that stereo file, you're gonna open a new session in your DAW, and you're gonna put that in there. And now all you're gonna have in a new session is just your mix, all right? And your mix ideally shouldn't be that hot, meaning that it shouldn't be <laughs> reaching zero, you know, you should, have, you should have left a little bit of room there to breathe. Not a lot of people obsess about levels, you know, but it, it, you just need to leave a little bit to breathe. Now, there is no, uh, so there's not a rule, there's not like a number that you can put in here because it depends on what type of music you're making. It depends on the dynamic range of the music. If it's a jazz kind of track, then the dynamic range and how hot that mix is will be different than an EDM track, for example. Sound is so important. The same way I'm recording this particular podcast, as I'm walking next to the beach here, you can probably hear a little bit of the wind, a little bit of the, the birds, the wild goats. It's quite far away, but I, got, I don't know if the, this microphone is capturing that. Hear me walking. So once you have your stereo file, once you have your stereo file in your new session and you have left a little bit of room to breathe there, meaning that you're not picking, your mix shouldn't be that hot, okay? And this is a good practice for you, regardless of the genre that you're writing in, you know? Once you have that stereo file in your new session, then you have no distractions. The mix has been mixed. There's nothing else to do. You can't go back and retouch it. You know, and that's the commitment. That's the first step. Commit to the mix. And now you're just focusing on mastering your track. And we're going to be using only three instruments or three plugins, I should say, actually. 
So the very first plugin that we're going to be using is an EQ. EQ is the most powerful plugin that you have in your whole collection of plugins. EQ is the most powerful tool. It's the volume for frequencies, if you will. That's the best way to describe it. Now, when we're mastering, we don't go crazy with EQing. We just enhance a little bit or we take away a little bit. And, and you don't really fix things that are already <laughs> uh, being uh, printed in the mix, if you will. You know, if you're trying to fix something in the mastering stage, most likely you need to go back to your mix session and remix it again. All right. That's why it's so important to commit to a mix and then move on into the mastering section. With EQ, I really, really use it very subtle. And by that, I mean that I'm depending on the track and depending on what it needs, I might give a little bit of boost at high frequencies just to give it a little bit more brightness. It really depends because we cannot, uh, every song is, is different. Every song calls for something different. Uh, you know, music making, music production is an art, all right? And mastering is an art as well. But you need to start making decisions on how to use an EQ. In EQ and mastering, as a rule, really, you need to start thinking in very small increments. Or if you're really using your EQ to, to take stuff away or to really decrease things, you need to start thinking, I mean, 1 dB, it, it could really affect a lot because you're, you're really messing around with the frequency across the whole mix. And that's why you have to be very, very careful when you're using uh, EQ. And, and it's very important that at this stage, you're really happy with your mix. I want you to think of the mastering stage as just a process that is enjoyable. It's not something that is this black <laughs> art, this black magic that only a few people can do. You can do it too, man. I mean, you can do it at home with free plugins as well, okay? So the EQ, sometimes I don't even touch the EQ when I'm mastering my tracks because there's no need and that's a decision that you have to make as well. So really pay close attention to your ears and think how can you really uh, enhance this experience, this, this sound that you're hearing, all right? Does it need more high frequencies? And just start to think like back in the days when you were listening to, if you're, if you're old enough, like me, I'm an old guy already. I wouldn't call myself old, but I'm 46. So I'm not 20, that's for sure. But you know, back in the days we used to have like uh, tape uh, players, cassettes and all of this. And the old stereos will have like, a, like, a, like an EQ, you know. And you just mess about with it <laughs> and try to bring, bring more bass to it or more um, high frequencies to it. You know, and you just be ruthless with it. Now, you're not going to be doing that with your, with your mastering EQ, but just experiment, you know, and have fun. Hey, nothing's, nobody's watching. And see what does to your, to, your, to your mix, you know, and then you will start to feel like, okay, this sounds really bad like that. If I put too much of this or if I take this away and try to experiment with that. It's a really good exercise. Maybe you're hearing the cowbells at the back. That's, that's ironic. That's coming from the, the wild goats that are out and about now. So this is, a, this is an exercise, really. All you need to do is really just use the EQ in very subtle ways. I, I, most of the times, I don't even touch the EQ in the mastering stage. Very little. 
And if, when I do, it's just to really make sure that, the, that, that I get enough presence, okay? Air, if you will. By air, I mean like high frequency, so it can sound bright enough, if you will, if, it's, if, it's, if the recording or the mix has been a little bit uh, darkish and, I don't know, muddy. So that's a tool number one. Tool number two, compressor. Use a compressor to really control the dynamics of your mix. And again, compression is an art in itself. A lot of people are intimidated by compressors. Really, you have to use compressors in a very subtle way. And if you don't know how to use a compressor, okay, try to go for a preset. There's usually a preset that says mastering. And if it doesn't have a mastering preset, then just really, again, very, very little uh, gain reduction, okay? Very little gain reduction in the compressor. And what the compressor is really doing is just bringing the low volumes of your mix to be higher, and the highers just tames them so they don't uh, go above, if you will. So it's just gluing. That's the, that's, the, that's the best way to describe a compressor in the mastering stage. You want to glue your mix, okay? So it's not, it has funny peaks. Like maybe some instruments or some parts are a little bit louder and they just, you know, it's uneven when it comes down to volume. And this is what I'm talking about when it comes down to mastering. Mastering, you have to think of it as, as a volume <laughs> control, okay? The EQ is a volume control for frequencies. So it's like bringing volumes up and down in the frequency spectrum. The compressor is just going to control and tame those uh, high levels, if you will, if, if there's any, and the low levels are going to bring them a little bit up. So it's going to glue the whole volumes or it's going to glue the mix, giving it a nice um, a blend, if you will, of sound. So everything is going to sound very tight. It should sound tighter. You do this very, very subtle as well with a compressor. And the compressor, again, is just at times, my compressor, I'm just running the mix through the compressor and, and it's just doing very little gain reduction. But what that does is just not only glues the, the actual uh, music together, it gives it a little bit of volume as well. Okay, so you're increasing in volume here because using the, the EQ, if you use a little bit of increase uh, in, in any frequency, you're increasing the volume in theory. When you're using the compressor, even, do, even though you might have some gain reduction, you're still increasing the overall uh, volume of your mix as well with the compressor. When you're compressing, you might have some gain reduction because you're compressing the signal. At times, compressors have like an auto uh, compensation, or you can do that manually as well, depending on how, how the compressor is uh, reducing the signal. But nevertheless, you're increasing the volume by using these two uh, plugins. Again, at times, I only run my mix through the actual compressor just to give it some harmonic uh, character. Compressors do have uh, an effect, okay, depending on what compressor you're using, but even if you're using stock compressors, which I use, <laughs> uh, that comes with Logic, they have fantastic compressors. Um, they, they just, uh, just by running your mix through that compressor, for any compressor, what it does, it just gives it an ever, another character. It's just a strange thing, but because these compressors are being a model as well, their emulation of real uh, compressors, they do have some type of character, some harmonic 
distortion, very subtle, uh, harmonic. Uh, they mess around with the transients, even if it's not compressing a lot. You can try this for yourself as an experiment. Just run your mix through a compressor and just bypass it and see how that affects the mix. It's very, very subtle, but that's what we're going for here. Now, the third tool and final tool, and you probably know this already, you guessed it. <laughs> it's a limiter, a maximizer, but commonly known as a limiter. And what does a limiter do? Ironically, that name, because we're, we're using a limiter, it's the one that's gonna give you the volume, the final stage for volume. And the limiter, this is where you can actually uh, go a little bit harder as well. Here's where you can actually go for the volume. Here's where you're gonna be really uh, increasing the volume of your mix, all right? And, and here there's not much to do, but just really <laughs> either, if you're not sure what to do, just start with, uh, just really gain, getting some gain reduction, all right? A limiter is like, it's like a compressor on steroids, all right? But what it's doing is just giving you the volume. So I want you to think of the limiter at the end of the stage. It's just the one that is gonna give your mix and your, your track that volume. So when you play that music track in the real world, it's hot enough, okay? And it's loud enough in comparison to other tracks out there. A lot of people obsess with the, with the numbers, okay? And, and I see a lot of composers as well talking about uh, uh, Spotify and how it normalized the thing and, and YouTube. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> the numbers are the numbers. I don't obsess about the numbers, okay? There's a lot of talk about loudness. The loudness war has been going on for years now. Years, all right? Try to make it as loud as possible. You know, are they uh, tracks out there that they're clipping all over the place, which is disgusting? And they sell, yeah, they are, especially in Audio Jungle. For some reason, these tracks, they're out there. And it's, you don't need to be a sound engineer, by the way, to, to hear that clipping. And you can tell that the person who was doing that doesn't know what they're doing. Now, if the client doesn't care about that and buys that particular track, good luck to you. But we are not in the business of making crappy music or crappy sound recordings, let alone crappy sound, sounding uh, masterings of your own music. You want to take control of your, of your, of the whole process, you know. And, and, and if I can, uh, you know, master my own tracks, and most of my colleagues master their own tracks as well, you can certainly do the same thing by using just these three plugins. All right. And I want you to enjoy the mastering process. The mastering process is the last process of it all. There's nothing else, you know? There's nothing else, and it should be something fun. When I master my tracks, I know my job is done already. Really, the, 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 we don't need to do much here. It's, it's just like, it's almost like a double checking of if the mix and everything else is fine. And if you see what master, uh, mastering engineers are doing, Especially on YouTube, you know, I mean, it's so subtle and yes, they are really professional. That's what they get paid for uh, to master uh, albums and stuff like that. But we're not mastering an album here. We're mastering our own compositions. Our own compositions are going to be sold in a marketplace. We're not mastering an album. 
That's why composers get it all wrong. We're mastering our own music, aiming for music licensing. That doesn't mean that the process is not that important. It is. And you should be able to take control of that process. And you don't need to have any fancy plugins. You don't need to have golden ears in order to do that. All you need to do is really trust your ears and trust yourself. Again, to recap, the three plugins that you need in order to master your own music tracks are as follow. An EQ, a compressor, and a limiter. That's it. If you can't master your track using those three plugins, you can forget the rest. Are they more? plugins that you can use to master your tracks? Yes, of course. There are all, all kinds of fancy things that you can use. You can use a plugin like Ozone. I have used them as well. You know, fantastic plugin to master your own music track. It has everything in there. And even if you see an Ozone, even on the presets, or if you see how it's been laid out, the chain, it usually starts with an EQ. And then it goes down the, <laughs> the other plugins, which is all built in. EQ, compressor, limiters. They even add some reverb, which is really great. But in this episode, I just want you to talk, I just want to talk to you about the three simple plugins that you can use to master your track. All right? And really experiment with that and do it as an exercise. Really do it as an exercise and really see that the mastering process is much more simple than what you think if you have done everything correctly. All right. Another example that I want to give you is with this uh, podcast episode, for example. I'm recording this podcast episode with a handy recorder. It's, it's old, but it's a professional uh, recorder. By now, the wind has picked up a little bit. You'll probably hear more the, the sound of the sea. But my voice is being recorded into this uh, device. Now, if I recorded this podcast episode with my mobile phone, with my smartphone... How do you think the quality will be? Be very different. Can I do it? Of course. A lot of people record podcasts with their smartphone, meaning that they use the microphone of the smartphone to record their voice. I'm using this uh, device. It's a Zoom handy recorder, H4N. Uh, it's old. It's like probably 12 years old, 15 years old maybe. Pricey. I think it's like 200 quid or something. But it's a very good quality uh, recorder. Now, I'm recording, so that means that my, my, that my voice is, is, from the source, is being recorded uh, properly. So I have a good quality sound. So when I go home now, I master this episode. And guess what I use to master this episode? <laughs> you guessed it. First, I use an EQ to, to probably enhance my voice and make it better if I can even though I can't change my voice <laughs> but I'll use an EQ as, as for the first thing and then I'm going to use a compressor to level up my voice so if at some point I am talking a little bit louder uh, or more quiet uh, the compressor is going to glue the whole thing and it's going to make it all even if you will and after that I want to make sure that my voice is loud enough Okay, so I put the limiter. So I use the same three plugins to master my podcast. And, you know, yes, I have a, a background in sound engineering and I can geek out all day about audio. 
and how you can just throw the, the, the rules, the book of rules out of the window and, and you can do it like this, forget about everything else, forget about the science, man. This is art, it's about ears, it's about what, what you wanna hear. So I do the same thing with this podcast, but the, the source, in this case, is being recorded with a high quality um, recorder, which is crucial uh, for the mastering stage. Now, when it, how <laughs> this analogy or, or this example, how can it relate to to mastering your tracks? Well, if you have the, the composition, the arrangement, with the right instrumentation, with the right mix, then the mastering will be easy. That's what I want to say. If you get everything else right, the mastering will be right. The same with this podcast. If I was recording with my smartphone, with a crappy built-in microphone, the quality will be very different. And when I go home and try to put an EQ to that, compressor and everything, it's not going to do anything. So it's the same with your music compositions. Make sure that the composition is right, regardless of the genre that you're writing in. Okay? Composition, instrumentation, mixing, arrangement, all of this needs to be right in order for the mastering to be right. Not the other way around. Mastering is not going to save you. It's not. That's why I came here today as well to record this episode. So I can prove a point that I can record outside with noise. Some cars in the background. The, the, here in the beach now, uh, the, the, the wind has picked up a little bit. You probably hear that. Some wild goats on the other side of the mountain. But the source, which is the equivalent of my composition, arrangement, instrumentation, has been captured with this machine right here. And even if you hear a little bit of the, of the wind, still the source is clean. So when I go home, I can use my EQ, my compressor, and my limiter, but at least the source has been captured properly. The same is with your music compositions. I know I'm going on a loop here, but I just want you to understand that, that the master is the final process, but the master is not gonna save you. You need to have the proper arrangement, instrumentation. I hope this episode finds you well. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here with me, hanging out. Again, thanks a lot for all the love and support. Thank you so much. I'll see you in another episode. And as always, rock and roll. And here's to your success.